morning. Hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving, whether you hosted or maybe you traveled somewhere. But hope you had a great time. We had a great Thanksgiving this year. We were able to actually gather together. Last year, my almost my entire family got COVID, like the day of Thanksgiving. And so we were able to gather and do normal Thanksgiving this year, which was good. It, uh, Rona can't take that away from us this year, so we're gonna, we're gonna enjoy it. And we did. We had an awesome time. We ate lots of food and we watched a lot of bad football, it seemed like. And, uh, and then we ended up going and doing a lot of shopping, which is something that we normally do for, uh, Thanksgiving. Um, and then going throughout the whole weekend. I think Sam is done shopping and I need to get started and, uh, I need to get on that. But, it's also a time to reflect. Thanksgiving is a great time to just kind of review the year and to be thankful for the things that God had done. And Thanksgiving isn't something that we do every year or just once a year, but it's an attitude that we're supposed to have every single day. But Thanksgiving makes us, it puts us into in a position to reflect. And if I'm being straight up vulnerable with you, if I were to describe my family's year I would describe it as dark days. This year was extremely hard and difficult for our family. Whether it was constant sickness with various different sicknesses, including COVID, weird medical issues that doctors don't have the answers to. And so we're just scratching our heads why and asking why are we going through this? And then mental health struggles that happened, that came up. It was a hard year for us. And I know that we're not the only ones. I know many of us in this room have gone through dark days, struggles, and we don't like it. And honestly, I think it's why we wanted Christmas to get here as fast as it could. And I think many of us wanted to put up our decorations just a little earlier this year. I know we did. Just so that we could have a little bit of hope and a little bit of joy. Maybe if I just put up these Christmas lights. It'll make my darkness shrink a little bit. I think that's many of us. And then I think also there's people with the holidays and their darkness that the darkness is getting a little darker. And so when I was thinking about what do I want to speak about this morning, I feel that the Lord really burned my heart to speak about the darkness. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to open God's word. We're going to go to Psalm 23 this morning. If you want to go there, you can. That'd be awesome. And my hope is that we can shed some light on the darkness. Now, Psalm 23 is one of the most famous psalms of the entire Bible. The reason why it's so famous is because it's so good. (laughs) There's great truth in it. And it comes straight from the heart of David. And so once you're there, we'll have it on the screens as well. I'm going to be preaching from the ESV this morning. And so we're going to dive in. First verse, it says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is essentially the thesis statement for this whole psalm. It is the thing that we're going to be pointing back to for the rest of the time. Now David understood everything there had to do with being a shepherd because he in fact was a shepherd. When he's a boy, he shepherded his dad's sheep. So he's a shepherd then, but he's also described as being the shepherd 
of Israel. And so he is very much a shepherd. He knew everything there had to do with being a shepherd. But he doesn't call himself a shepherd in this passage. Who does he call the shepherd? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. So David saying here is, I used to be a shepherd, but now I'm a sheep. And the Lord is my shepherd. And we can identify with David in this because we are described as sheep as well in Scripture. Specifically in John 10, Jesus talks about how he is the good shepherd and we are his sheep. And so we are, just like David, we are sheep and the Lord is our shepherd. And then it says, I shall not want. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't go around talking and saying, well, I shall not want. Like, we don't say that. So what is he saying here? Well, if you have an NIV translation, it translates it, I lack nothing, which I think captures what he's saying right here. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He is everything that I want, everything that I need. He is sufficient. So what David is saying here is that the Lord doesn't just give us everything that we want, but he gives us everything that we need. And he describes that more in the next couple of verses and how he does that. Verses 2 and 3, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, when I think of green pastures, I think about this. This is where my mind automatically goes to, this picture. That's beautiful. It's nice and green. Hills. Like that is a green pasture. But when David was writing this, this is not exactly what he was picturing at all. This is more of what he was picturing. This was what he'd be calling a green pasture. And to us, that's just dust and dirt and rocks. (laughs) But this is the Middle East. And so if we would just zoom in a little bit right here, that's a sheep's behind. Sorry about that. But then if you go... (laughs) But if you go to the left, do you see the green? Do you see the grass? You see, when he says green pastures, in the Hebrew, it literally means new grass. And what he was saying is, this is probably right after the dry season, really hot, not a lot of grass. There is new grass that is sprouting out. That is a green pasture. I want you to take note of that because you're going to need to know that here in a little bit. So he makes me lie down, so there's rest, there's food. But then he says, he leads me beside still waters. That sounds nice. So we have food, rest, water, everything that we need. And the result of all those things is he restores my soul. We are rested. We are restored. We have everything that we need. This is sheep paradise. (laughs) This is exactly where you want to be if you are a sheep. And then when it's time to move on from sheep paradise, he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Whatever the next place is, it is the right place. Whatever the next path is, is the right path. He will lead us. He knows what's best. And he does that because he's good for his namesake. He is a good shepherd. So our shepherd shepherd will give us what we need, but he also gets us where we need to be. And that's great truth to hang on to. That's great encouragement for us today. These are good things. 
to hold on to. But then you get to verse 4. And it says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now wait, what happened? Because we were just in sheep paradise. We had green pastures, still waters, paths of righteousness, and now we're in a place called the valley of the shadow of death. Did Apple Maps take us to the wrong place again? Like what is going on? Right? This doesn't seem right. How is this the right path? How is this the right place to be? Because this does not seem like it is. You see, the Hebrew translation literally means the valley of deep, dark shadows. And when David was writing this, he had a picture in mind. It was like this. Now, for some of us, we look at that and we're like, that's vacation. That looks awesome. I want to hike through there. But not for David. And not for people that lived during that time. You see, a valley of deep, dark shadows was dangerous. It was a place where you didn't want to be. There are times in the valley where you can't even see in front of you. There are places where bandits and enemies hide out and wait for people to go into the valley so then they can attack. And there are predators that waited in the same way to jump and devour whatever came into the valley. That was not where you wanted to be. So David has this picture in mind, but he's not talking about a physical place. What he's talking about is the dark valleys that we experience in life. And David experienced many dark valleys in his life. And this is what he's speaking of right now. And we don't like the dark valleys. We fully know what he's talking about because we've experienced it because we are experiencing it right now dark valleys are hard dark valleys are scary and we don't like the dark valleys and neither did david but david had an incredible perspective when it came to the dark valleys and that's what i want us to grab this morning is the same perspective that he had when it came to the dark valleys As we comb through verse 4, because that's what we're going to be doing, we're going to be unpacking it. There are three things that I want us to consider when it comes to the dark valleys. The first thing is this. We will walk through dark valleys. We will walk through dark valleys. It is inevitable. David says, even though I walk through the valley, it sounds like he is in a valley right now as he is writing this psalm. Now, David, as I said, he walked through many valleys. In his upbringing, he was the youngest in his family. His dad looked down upon him. If you look at the the passage when Samuel comes in, is looking for the king, or the next who would be the next king of Israel. His dad is like, well, there's the worthless one, is Hakatan, which is youngest or also worthless one. He's all he's taking care of the sheep. That's how David's dad viewed him. And then he was the youngest, so he's picked on all the time, right? Not invited to the party. So that was a valley. But then if you look at David's life, it seemed like there was always somebody that wanted to kill him, (laughs) right? He is always on the run. It doesn't matter who it is. Somebody's trying to kill him. And there's probably times... 
that he would hide out in a valley or caves or whatever it might be. But then there was also his sin that caused a dark valley in his life. So David fully knows the dark valleys. And the truth is, we will go through dark valleys for various reasons as well. It is inevitable. We will do it. And it's kind of how he depicts it in his psalm. Things are good, and then dark valley. That's how life goes. Things are good, dark valley. Things are good, dark valley. Things are good, dark valley. But the thing that I want us to think and and try to understand is, how did I get to this dark valley? Why am I here? Now, when I was studying why a sheep, sticking with the illustration that he's writing about, why would a sheep ever be in a dark valley? And there's really only two reasons. The first reason is this. The sheep wandered from the shepherd. The, we, the, the sheep wandered from the shepherd. Now, I want you to think back to the grass. Because the number one reason why a sheep would wander is grass. So if you think about the green pastures, you have these sprouts of grass that would shoot up. And so sheep go where there is grass. And so the sheep has their head down, they're eating. And then once they're done eating that bundle, they go on to the next bundle. And then the next one. And then the next one. And they go until their belly is full. And then when they look up, they have wandered from the shepherd. They have wandered from the flock. And a lot of times they find themselves lost. And a lot of times they would eat their way even off cliffs. Think about that. Sheep are not the smartest animals in the animal kingdom. But that's what they do. But a lot of times they would find themselves in a dark valley. You see, we are not a whole lot different. See, we go through seasons where we are just consuming things of the world. And we're giving in to the desires of our flesh and sinful desires. And we're just eating and consuming and we have our heads down. And we're just eating and here's the next thing because I'm not satisfied. And I keep eating and keep eating and keep eating and keep eating. And then you look up and you're like, how did I get to this place? How did I get to this dark place? Because I don't like this. What happened? You consumed your way away from the shepherd. And you find yourself in a dark valley. But then, that's the wandering sheep. But the second reason why sheep would be in a dark valley is because the sheep followed the shepherd. It is the shepherd that actually leads the sheep through the dark valley. There's no other way around. We must go through this valley. We must know something about this right here and how shepherds would do this. A shepherd would never lead sheep through a dark valley unless it was absolutely necessary to get to the desired destination. If there is no other way to get to where I want to go, then we're going to walk through this valley. And the same goes with us. God would not lead us through a dark valley unless it was absolutely necessary to get us to the desired destination. The valley is not wasted. 
The valley has great purpose. There is a destination that God wants to get us to. And the only way we can get there is to walk through this valley. Now that is great encouragement for us, especially if you are in a valley right now. That's things that we can hold on to. That's truth. But the tricky part is, is that we don't know what the desired outcome is a lot of times. And we don't know how long it's going to take. And that is terrifying, it's confusing, and it's unsettling. And it's hard. When family members get sick, maybe you get sick. Maybe somebody passes away. Marriage is on the rocks. Work struggles. Nothing seems like it's going right. If we're being honest, the valley is not always external. But a lot of times it's internal. You see, a lot of times the valley is in your mind. Depression, anxiety, sadness, loneliness, self-hate. And we don't know why. We don't know why. I've known more about this in the last two months of my life than I have in my entire life. It's real to me. And we can fully know and believe with all of our heart that we are in this season and in this valley for a reason and for a purpose. We can believe that as Bible-believing Christians. We can believe it. But truth doesn't automatically remove the emotions we have about the situation. Our emotions are still real. We're still hurt. We're still sad. We're still angry. And we still wonder why. And we still ask, God, where are you? Because I don't feel you right now. But the truth is, and as David points out, he's never left. He's always been with us. The second thing that we must consider this morning is this. God is with us in the dark valleys. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David understands what the valley does to people. We get taken over by fear because we feel like God is no longer with us. Something happened. He's absent. And we give in to fear. But that's not the truth. I want you to think about the wandering sheep. Think back to you look up and you're in this dark valley and you're like, I am afraid. I don't know where I am. I don't like this. How did Jesus view wandering sheep? How did he view wandering sheep? Well, he, in fact, (laughs) he gives us a whole parable on it. In Luke 15, he gives a parable. He's speaking to some Pharisees. He's like, let me tell you something. I have a hundred sheep. One wanders off. What would you do? They're like, I don't know. And his answer is, well, I'm going to go after that one sheep. You see, it's a business decision, essentially. Like, if I leave the 99 sheep, then there's a possibility that something's going to happen to the 99 if I go after this one. So if I just stay with the 99, 
If I lose one, eh, I got 99. But that's not how he saw it. Jesus didn't just love 99 sheep. He loved 100 sheep. And he even loved the one that wandered. And that sheep is worth pursuing. And so in the valley, for a sheep that has wandered, it is easy to think that you are too far gone. I have messed up too bad, and Jesus doesn't want anything to do with me. The truth is the exact opposite. You may have pursued something other than Jesus for a season, but Jesus never stopped pursuing you. Never. Because in that parable, he says, I will go after the sheep until it is found. It's not like he goes and, well, I spent a couple of days. I gave it my best. I'm going to turn around and go home. No, I'm going to do whatever it takes to find my sheep. I will find my sheep. You see, the darkness wants to tell you that you're lost when, in fact, you're found. All you need to do is turn around because guess what? He's right here. You're not too far gone. But then you have the following sheep who's following the shepherd. And even if you're a following sheep, fear is still a factor. Very much so. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how long this is going to be. What if work doesn't get better? What if I don't get better? What if the relationship doesn't get restored? What if, what if, what if? What if, and we always think about the, wa- the worst possible outcome. It's where our mind goes. This fear paralyzes us. It cripples us with the unknown, and we are paralyzed by the uncertainty. And we're afraid. What I find encouraging about God's word is that it lets us know that we are not the only ones that have ever dealt with this. There are so many people in the Bible who were uncertain about themselves and uncertain about the things that God was leading them through. Consider Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, David, Elijah, the whole nation of Israel, the 12 disciples, and Paul. They went through a lot Dysfunctional families, slavery, wars, famines, exiles, persecutions. These were dark valleys. These were different people, different valleys, but all received the same message from God personally. I am with you. So everybody in this room might be walking through a different valley. but we have also received the same message from the Lord. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 20, this is the last words of the whole gospel. This is right before he ascends. He says this, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In times of uncertainty, we can be certain that Jesus is with us. And that's enough. That is sufficient. Why is that a theme in the Bible? That people are going through hardship 
terrible things. And God's response to that is always, I am with you. It's because that's enough. And it's enough for us. It's enough. He is sufficient. And that's why it's the last words that Jesus gives us. I am with you. Now, I want to highlight something in what David does in this psalm, and I think it's worth pointing out. You see, in the first three verses, he talks about God. And then in verse 4, he switches, and then he talks to God. He talks about how he's, the Lord is my shepherd, he makes me lie down, he leads me besides the waters, he restores my soul, he leads me, he, 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 right? And then you get to verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What I think David is doing here is this. He understands this because he has received this message from God. So he knows it, but he's telling God that he believes it. Lord, I believe it. I believe you are with me. It's not about head knowledge. It's about faith. Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, then you will not be given into fear. God is with us. No matter what you are walking through. But not only is he with us, he is shepherding us through. That is the third thing that I want us to consider this morning is this. God shepherds us through the dark valleys. In the last part of verse 4, he says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is not passively in the valley with us. But he is very active, and he is using his shepherd tools to shepherd us through the valley. And we should take comfort in those things, and here's why. The rod was a short, blunt object used for protection and used for discipline. Anytime a predator would come against the shepherd or the sheep, he would use the rod to strike that animal. Or if any enemy would come against him, he would strike him with the rod. He was used for protection. It's described in 1 Samuel 17, and I think it's so awesome. When, when David was like, I want to take on Goliath. Like, I want to take on that joker. Like, let's go. Like, he's making fun of our God. I want to take him out. And Saul's like, you're a little kid. Stop it. You need to be quiet and go do something else. David's response is epic, because this is what he said. Saul, I have taken care of my dad's sheep for a long time in the fields. And every once in a while, a lion or a bear would come by and take one of my sheep. And I would chase down that lion or a bear, and I would take my rod, and I would beat it. And I'd hit it. And that bear or that lion would come against me, and I'd take it by its chin and hit it again until it's dead. This Philistine, he's got nothing on me. Whew. That fires me up. But that's our shepherd as well. That's our shepherd. Because in John 10, Jesus describes how the hired hand, when a wolf will come, he'll just run away. 
not the shepherd. The shepherd stays and fights and protects his sheep. Why? Because he loves his sheep. He will do anything for his sheep. If a lion or a bear is coming after me, what am I doing? I'm running. There's no way. But not a shepherd. Shepherd stays and he fights. He protects his sheep. And if we know, for many of us have walked through valleys, we understand that the enemy attacks us when we're in the valley, when we are the most vulnerable and weak. But guess what? You have your shepherd with you who is fighting on your behalf every single day. And he's protecting you. Things that you have no clue about he is doing on your behalf. Because he loves his sheep. He loves you. And he would do anything for you. And in John 10 he says, I would even lay down my life for my sheep. And guess what he did? He does it out of love. He loves us so much that not only is he willing to protect us, but also discipline us. You see, if there is a wandering sheep that had a history of wandering and just kept wandering, the shepherd would take the rod and break one of its legs. Now, we would think that that's harsh. We think that's inhumane. But he does it out of love and compassion. I would rather cause this momentary pain for you right now than to find you dead somewhere. And so he breaks a leg. But then what the shepherd does next is truly amazing because this is what he does. He takes that sheep who is now wounded, broken, and he takes that sheep and puts it on his shoulders. That shepherd will carry that sheep until it is fully restored, fully healthy. And now it knows not to wander again. Sometimes God has to break things in our lives. He has to break things in our lives to let us know that it's not okay the way you're living. I'd rather cause a momentary pain in your life right now than for you to go and destroy your life. It's not going to feel good. But I don't know about you because I've had things broken in my life for this very reason. I, I understand this. I take comfort in the rod. I am grateful and thankful that I have a God that loves me so much that he's not okay when I'm living a way that I'm not supposed to be living. I'm glad that he cares and he loves me to do that and to discipline. But then you have the staff. And the staff, we, we probably know what the staff looks like. It's, a, it's long, skinny, and it has the, the hook at the, at the end. The staff was used to make sure that sheep stayed close to himself and to the other sheep. As we know, sheep can wander a lot of times. But you know what? Sheep are herd animals. They're supposed to stay with the flock. That's what they were created to do. And so they eat together. They run together. They do everything together. And so the shepherd uses the staff to make sure that they're staying in line. And he guides them where they need to go. 
in the same way you were created to be in the flock. You were created for community. You are created to be in the body of Christ. You're not supposed to walk through life alone, especially in a valley. See, oftentimes, if we're being honest, we're hopefully being a whole lot honest this morning, is that when we're in a valley, we tend to isolate. We don't want to be a burden to other people. We don't want to bother other people with our problems. So we isolate. This cannot be. This cannot be at all. And so the shepherd will take his staff and push you closer to himself, closer to other people, because that is the only way you're going to get through this valley. You need people. You're not supposed to be going through this alone. And for some of you in this room, you might be thinking, well, I'm not going through a dark valley right now. Why not? Because you're supposed to be walking through somebody else's valley with them right now. That's community. We suffer with those who suffer. We have compassion for one another. Compassion means to suffer with. Your hurt is my hurt. And we're going to walk through this together. Compassion leads to action. And we're going to do something about this. I'm going to carry your burdens. That's what we're supposed to do. So you might not be walking through a valley personally by yourself, but there are other people around you that are walking through the valley, and you need to jump in with them and walk with them through it. And then, and only then, David's words become our words. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you'll get to the other side together. I don't know why you're walking through a valley right now. I don't know why. Maybe it's to get healed. Maybe it's just to simply make you more like Jesus. Maybe it's to get your attention. Or maybe you're going through this valley so then somebody else can see Jesus through you and your hurt and your suffering. Read the New Testament. That's a popular thing. All I know is we will walk through dark valleys, but God walks with us in the valleys, and he shepherds us through the valleys. That's what we do know. And we can take comfort in that. So in this next moment, I want the band to come back up, and we're going to have pastors and elders available at the front for prayer. But I want for us to respond however we need to respond. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe you just need to sit and be with the Lord, our shepherd. But there's something that I want us to think about as we enter into this time. Where are you right now? Are you in green pastures, still waters, or are you in a valley? No matter if we are living in verses 2 and 3 or in verse 4, verse 1 still rings true. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. His goodness does not change. 
So for the resting sheep, rejoice. For the wandering sheep, repent. For the following sheep, trust. And we ought to be thankful for all of it.